happy Thursday. It is your host, Steph, and I'm so happy to be back with you guys. You know we kiki and talk before we get into our crime story. So if you don't want to hear me, you know, talk to you guys, I guess you can skip forward. I guess I can give you permission to do that. Um, But just for a quick second, I just recently got back from vacation. Uh, MD and I have been vacationing and, you know, doing things with our family because it is summer. So that's like the prime time to do those things. I just recently got back from a week-long vacation in Orlando, Florida. My husband and three kids went out there to go to Disney World. And I just want to say shout out to all the Floridians out there, like who is used to that heat. I'm from Texas, baby. And let me tell y'all, every time I walked outside I I was drenched in sweat in like five minutes I was like this is not where it's at and I know somebody is talking back to this podcast saying Steph girl y'all that heat in Texas what what I know I know but I'm used to it right because I grew up in this dry heat I understand we're triple digits this summer like for weeks straight we have gotten barely any rain but I'm used to it you understand and that Florida weather it just wasn't giving it was giving hot the entire time but I had a blast I heavily encourage anybody who's an adult to go to Disney World if you haven't been like as a 34 year old kid who had never been to Disney World but had been to Florida I was screaming inside it was a good trip you guys so we had a blast we had fun but you know housekeeping so I want to highly encourage you guys to like leave us voice notes if you're listening to us on Spotify you can um leave us a voice note we can get that and then we can play that at the end of our episodes. Just tell us what y'all thought about the past episode or what you think about our content or just, you know, what you've been doing this summer. We want to hear from you. But not only that, we want you guys to rate and review our podcast just so we can get some of those reviews in to see how you guys are liking our content. Um, and, you know, do you enjoy our stories? And on the next podcast episode, we will be doing a giveaway for the first five people to leave reviews on our podcast whatever platform you're listening to us on we will be doing a gift card giveaway so y'all stay tuned for that and if you want to go ahead and be the first before we kind of officially jump it off I'm okay with that too so let's get into our story for the day So before we get into our crime case for the day, I wanted to like give a trigger warning, so to speak, and let you know that this crime actually does involve children. And you heard me correctly. It's plural. It involves multiple children. So if you do not like hearing about crimes that involve children, I highly suggest that you catch us next week. We get it. It can be very triggering. And this was a hard case for me as well. So just wanted to give you that warning before you listened. Today's case is about Faith and Gregory Green. I titled this episode, A Mother's Tragedy. And as we explore this case, you will fully understand why I came or why I chose this particular title. The story of Faith and Gregory Green begins in Detroit, Michigan. 
And I have a strong tie to the state of Michigan for so many reasons. I'm a Texan through and through, but my parents are from Flint, Michigan on both sides. Like my mom and my dad are from Flint. And so if you're a Michigander, you know that like Flint and Mich- and Detroit are literally a stone throw away from each other. So as they're as I'm researching this case and hearing about the different cities in Detroit, I'm familiar with it. I've heard of it. And so that's kind of like my little tie to this case. But when we catch up with Faith Green, she's 14 years old and she's attending her father's church. His name is Fred Harris and she's a preacher's kid. And she is smitten by one of the members in the church. And as fate would have it, his name is Gregory Green. And she just is enthralled by him, caught up in the rapture girl. She just thinks he's so cute, you know, gets butterflies every time he comes around. But Gregory wasn't at the church for a very long time, like maybe for a year or so he was at the church. But Faith knew that there was nothing that was going to come of that because he was actually 10 years older than her. So it was just like, oh, okay, he's super cute, but nothing can really happen. Fast forward 20 years later, Faith is still attending her father's church. And during service, she spots somebody very familiar. It's Greg. And after services, she goes and she reintroduces herself and Initially, Greg doesn't remember Faith because remember the first time he met her, she was 14. But when she, you know, says who she is and says that her father is the pastor, he immediately knows who she is and just thinks, oh, my gosh, like you're so grown up. And she introduces him to her kids. And Faith is a single mom and her daughter, Kira, is eight and her son, Chatney, is 10. And everybody just you know, gets along and they immediately start to court one another and date. And because Greg knows her father, he melts into the um, synergy of their family. He gets along with everybody. And before you know it, not only are they dating, but Faith asks Greg to move in. And so he moves in with them. Now, it is very, um, well, around the community and their church community, it is well known that Gregory had recently been paroled and he was paroled in 2008, 2009-ish, okay? And no one really knows that story. You know how there's this, this, this rumor that's going around the community and everybody has like their own little piece of the story, but nobody has the full story. That's how it was for Faith. So although she's dating him and it's progressing very quickly, there is, she doesn't really know why, you know, what happened to land him in prison. So one day as they were sitting at home, she brought the situation up to Greg. You know, she asked him, you know, just flat out, like, what happened that led you to go to prison? Well, he says that in 1992, his wife now ex-wife tanya green um was pregnant and he said they got into an altercation he said that that his ex-wife was trying to attack him and in self-defense he was trying to get her off of him so that he could get out of the house and just kind of like exit the situation he said as a result of him trying to defend himself he pushes her and whatever object she push you know lands on it hits her head and she actually is killed and um although 
everyone knows he said everyone knew it was self-defense the police went ahead and charged him for that anyway and you know he felt like hey I did my time for that and I kind of just don't really want to talk about it you know like that's what happened that's what it is and he he didn't say to her what he was charged with he just said that you know it was self-defense and he kind of like said hey can we just not talk about this anymore and Faith, being newly in this relationship, didn't want to push it. And she also felt like, well, if it was just so bad, they would not have allowed him to come out of prison. Like, it had to be exactly what he said. And my initial thought when I first heard this story was, why doesn't she just ask her dad? Because obviously Greg felt super close to her father to come back to attend the church like so wouldn't her dad know but she said she didn't really ask her dad either like her dad kind of like repeated some of what Gregory had said so she kind of that kind of like solidified that story for her now there were some other things about Gregory's personality that kind of caught her off guard um, she noticed that, you know, since they were moving fairly quickly inside of the relationship, um, when they were together, he just seemed quiet, like, and not just the regular introverted, like, I, I, I don't really want to talk to strangers, but I'll talk to people I'm familiar with. No, Greg would sometimes just not say anything to her and they could be in the room together and he just would stay quiet. She also noticed that his mood changed often. Like it would like she described a situation where they were both sitting down on the couch watching TV. And she would go into the kitchen for whatever while their TV show was on commercial. And she would come back and his whole mood changed, like where he was super loving. Now he was kind of pushing her away and she would ask him, like, what happened? Did I do something like what is going on? And he would always say that he was fine and kind of move on. And for her, that just got to be too much. Like it was too much of that. And as a result of that, she ended their relationship. When she ended the relationship, however, she found out that she was pregnant with their daughter, Sequoia. And you know how it goes. Like, I feel like this is the never ending story. Sometimes when you get pregnant um, and you've already had previous children, and it's not like, you know, Faith didn't love Greg. She loved him. And although they had this kind of hiccup with his moods and, and it changing at the drop of a dime, she kind of felt like, well, I'm pregnant. And, you know, he really appeared to be very supportive about her being pregnant and excited about the baby. And she was just like, well, let's get married. And they got married. They took it to the next level. Her dad actually married them in his church. And her daughter and her, her daughter, Kira, and um, her son, Chatney, were a part of the wedding. And she was just excited to kind of be on this new journey. It was a good feeling. It was a good, a very good time in their lives. By all accounts, everything is going well. Like this is a good time for Faith and Gregory. However, everything is not as it seems. And in this particular part of my research, Faith brings out a diary from her oldest daughter, Kira. And inside this di diary, Kira says that 
she really does not like Gregory and she can't put her finger on it, but he gives her bad vibes. And she says, everybody loves Greg except for me. And I just don't know why, but there's something about him that gives me pause. Like, and I'm, I'm not, you know, quoting it exactly, but the gist of it was something's not right. And I don't want them to get married. Um, she did say, quote, my mom is obsessed with him and I don't want to call him dad. That's what she says. And by Faith's account, she said that Kira never expressed, she doesn't remember Kira ever expressing this dislike for Gregory. And she also said that her son, because he hadn't had a father in his life for quite some time, he finally had a guy around that could be a good influence on him. And so her son, Chatney, really did like Greg. Like, And and Kira never expressed her dislike for Greg. So she just assumed that everything was fine. But everything is not always as it appears. And one thing that Faith suggested in her interview was you have to be very careful to make sure to talk to your kids and make them feel comfortable to come and talk to you about their anxieties, their worries, their fears. Because had she known that her daughter was this uncomfortable, she says she would have severed the relationship then and there. But of course, she didn't know. In hindsight, it's always twenty twenty. There was one occasion that really rubbed Kira the wrong way. And Faith had asked um, Greg to hang some curtains and he just got so frustrated. Like it was another drastic mood change. Like he was so frustrated that he couldn't get these curtains up. And Kira went over to her mom and said, why is he so angry? Why is he getting so angry? And all, you know, for Faith, I don't know if she had just normalized that anger that he had in her mind, but for her, she was just like, you know, people just get frustrated by, you know, different things that they try to do. And it just really made Kira uncomfortable. Um, and looking back, knowing what she knew, knows now, and then looking at that situation, she felt like her daughter knew something and identified something in Greg that was sitting on the surface all along. So aside from Faith recounting Kira's diary, which is information she got after the situation happened, and also her just kind of reflecting on certain situations where Greg would get super mad and Kira may have saw something in him that she didn't see. In the past of 2010, and Faith's mind, everything is going well. She has her daughter, Koi, in 2010, and she also gets married in, later that year in December of 2010. So everything is fine. They were seemingly happy. Everything was going quite well. However, once Koi is born and she brings her back home from the hospital, Greg was very detached. He was no longer happy. He was no longer joyful about the pregnancy or the baby. He did not help Faith. He just was, I mean, a bum. And he didn't help his wife with the care of their children. And she just was, she kind of was, she knew that he was struggling. 
she attempted to talk to him and try to talk through his his changing moods and his disposition. But he just always kept deflecting and saying that there was nothing wrong with him. So she was at her wits end and she kind of reached the point where she was when they were dating right before she got pregnant with Koi. She was she was just like, OK, I'm I'm trying, but you're not helping and you don't want help and you're saying nothing's wrong. So in 2012, she's at her wits end once again um, and she wants to leave him. But that's when she finds out, you guess right, that she's pregnant again. And she's pregnant with her daughter, Kaylee. Once again, you know, this time, as opposed to being detached, he really just doesn't want to have anything to do with Kaylee. And so she tells him, like, she's just like, why aren't you loving on this baby? Like, why aren't you helping me? This We're doing the same thing over and over again. What is going on with you? His response is that he wanted a boy. Girl, the nerve of these men. That's all I can say. The nerve of these men to create these babies and then feel like, you know what, it's because it's not a boy, then you're not supposed to help. Mm-mm. Girl, that sent me. And so she just was she just was like, well, we have a girl. This is what God has given us. She's healthy. She's strong. Get over it. You know what I'm saying? Like. Be a big boy now type thing. And that's kind of what, you know, he eventually came into. But these changes in Greg, they just, the mood changes, the mood shifts. And as I'm, you know, researching this case, I just, I can't help but to just wonder, does he have bipolar disorder? That was never answered. Like, or was he schizophrenic? Or what was it about his drastic mood swings? Like, there was something that was super unusual there, you know, that that to me is such a red flag. And I think that Faith knew probably in the pit of her stomach, in the pit of her being, that 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 wasn't right. Because every time that she would, like, allow his mood changes to go on for a progressive period of time, she would reach the end of herself and break up with him. But every time she's about to break up with him, or she does break up with him, she gets pregnant. And so she she feels stuck, right? So um, there's just several instances where Greg's mood is just, and his anger is explosive. And um, there was an incident with his um, the youngest daughter, Kaylee, where she comes in and wants a sandwich. And her mom's like, no, go, you know, I'll get you a sandwich in a minute, baby. I'm doing something. Just go put the bread. She carried the bread to her mom. And so she said, just go put the bread back in the kitchen. Well, you know, she's three. In the midst of trying to carry it back to the kitchen, she smushes some of the bread. And he sees that the bread is smushed. He like back slaps her on her thigh and the like you could just hear it in the other room it was so loud and when faith comes in and sees kaylee crying she tells him like don't you ever hit my kid like that again if you do that again i'm absolutely going to take these girls and i'm gonna leave you and so there were these situations where he would just his anger would be so disruptive his anger would just be so outrageous it was just like what is going on with this man And this particular instance or example is what would have plummeted me to leave him indefinitely because 
it was just outrageous as far as I'm concerned. And it's no judgment to faith. I think everybody has their own rock bottoms that they reach. And um, I think she was trying to keep her family together. And so I understand. But some of the signs, you know, you just can't see them while you're in while you're in the situation. But when this happened, I just I just was like, oh, my God, like this is such a flagrant uh, flag, you know, flag on the play to me. She comes home from work early. And she walks into the smell of gas. And they have a gas stove. And she, I mean, it's so potent that she comes in and Greg is just sitting on the couch. So she turns off the stove and she's like, you can't smell that gas? And so for a while, like maybe for three to four minutes, he just plays dumb. Like, what smell? What are you talking about? She said, I literally just came in the kitchen and the gas was on. All four four, um, eyes on the stove was on. And he was just like... Well, I guess maybe one of the kids did it. And she said, no, no, they did not. She was like, because I have like basically put the fear of God in my younger kids about playing with the stove. So I know they did not turn that that gas stove on. And so three to four minutes elapsed again after he let go of that lie. He says, well, I turned it on. You know, I wanted to kill myself. And, you know, I just felt like I was just better off dead. So his mood changes, extreme anger, plus now a suicide attempt with your kids in the house. That together is is just a mixture of destruction. And she warned him, she said, don't you ever do that again. And, you know, you need to seek some help, I guess, if you feel like you need to kill yourself, you know. So their relationship after that situation happened, just it was just. It was just an ongoing cycle of the same thing, his mood shifting. um, That was the only time that he attempted to kill himself and the kids. Right. But it's definitely definitely a situation that is highlighted to say the very least. And, you know, she just, she can't sleep, but she felt the need that she needed to go, but she couldn't leave because her resources wouldn't allow her to. So she just decided to start putting plans into motion to like kind of save up money so that she could leave. Now they go to a water park. And on this particular time that they go to this water park, um, it's just Koi, Kaylee, Greg, and Faith. She doesn't bring her older kids. And he says to her, you know, I wish that it was just like this all the time. I wish that it was just me, you, Kaylee, and Coy. And she says, you know, highly offended. Absolutely not. You don't love, you know, my other two kids? And he says, I mean, yeah, I do, but I just wish it was just us. And she was like, that's not our family. We have a family of six. And everything, you know, just progressively is getting worse. You know, all of these signs, all of this behavior that is just amounting to him not him just being an unexpected, extreme, volatile person. Um, You know, sometimes he would like torture Faith by waking her up in the middle of her sleep and arguing with her and not allowing her to go back to sleep. 
you know, doing everything he could to keep her awake in the middle of the night. Um, One day she kind of felt like, I don't know what he's going to do. And she slept with her robe on with freshly sharpened pencils in her robe coat just in case he tried to do something to her because she felt like eventually this was going to turn to violence. But of course, nothing happened when she did that. Um, And so she finally had enough savings to get out of there. And she told her kids that on the last day of school that particular year that they were going to move. And she did it when he wasn't at home. She packed up their house and she moved out. She called him and let him know. And of course, he was extremely angry and in retaliation turned off their phones. For two years... Um, Faith and Greg had been separated. They finally figured out the custody, um, splitting custody of Coy and Kaylee. Um, initially, he wanted to have her meet in isolated places, but they finally agreed to meet at a shopping plaza where she felt a lot safer because other people were around and she just didn't quite trust Greg. So his disposition had totally changed in those two years of separation. He was a lot calmer loving, um, and more peaceful. And they both concluded with one another that they should give it another shot. And so after two years of not living with one another, he moves back in with her. But as soon as that happens, everything ramps back up. His unexpected behavior, his mood change changes, and his volatile anger. Everything is just the same. And so she is just sick of it. She tells him, listen, I'm, we're getting a divorce. I'm going through with the divorce. I'm over it. We'll be moving out soon. And we can just go ahead and just wrap this up. I've tried. This is not working. It is what it is. And you guys know that as a form of torture, he would wake her up in the middle of the night and argue with her. Right? So on September 21st, 2016, he wakes Faith up. And he tells her to come to the living room. And she like looks at him and it says no. And it was the tone of his voice that made her move the second time. Because he said, you better come to the living room now. So she gets up out of her sleep. And when she walks into the living room, her son is standing by a table. And he has this very concerned look on his face. And he, Greg tells her son, Chatney, to... Um, zip tie his mom. He pulls out this bag of zip ties. And Chatney says, man, listen, can we talk about this? And that's when Greg pulls out a gun. And they know he's not playing. As soon as he pulls out the gun, he's like, zip tie your mom now. And so Chatney zip ties his mom. She sits on the couch. And then shortly after that, he zip ties um, Chatney. And Chatney sits on the couch next to her. And Faith describes the situation. She says that she didn't know what was going on, what was going to happen. She felt like the only reason why he was doing this is because he wanted to take the girls. And so she just kind of felt like, okay, if I remain calm, my son will be calm and he can just take the girls and we can take the necessary action afterwards. Right as she's thinking this, her daughter, Kira, her oldest daughter, Kira, walks into the room. And Kira just, just, she's confused. You can tell she's startled out of her sleep and she doesn't know what is going on. And he immediately puts zip ties on Kira. 
And he takes them down to this basement and he tells them, don't do anything. Don't don't move. Don't do anything. He turns off all the lights and he leaves and goes back upstairs. And so she feels like, well, the girls are upstairs. I'm sure he's, you know, he's going to take the girls. I don't know what he's going to do with us because she felt like the only reason why he was doing this was to take Coy and Kaylee. So he comes back downstairs. Uh, well, he leaves from up from downstairs in the basement. And it's at this time that Faith says to him, she says to her son, Chatney, she says, hey, can you get loose from your zip tie? If you can, there's a phone down here in the basement. We can use that and call 911. He said, I can't move. Like, I just I can't get out of it. And so he comes. Greg comes back downstairs and he blames everything on faith he says you know the reason why i'm doing this is because of you it's your fault i don't want my kids to be raised by your family or anybody else from your family and he says do you want to see your girls and she says yes like because she feels like i don't know what this man's about to do like and he turns and she's thinking he's about to go upstairs and get the and get coy and and kaylee but he turns around and he shoots Kira twice. And she says all she could hear was the gurgling of blood in her daughter's mouth. And she couldn't help her. She watched her daughter be executed. And the, as soon as he kills Kira... He shoots Chatney, and she said, her son said, ouch. And her son, he turned to the, like, the left, and she said he never turned back over, and she knew that he was dead. He then shoots Faith in her foot, and then I believe he shot her. She said that first shot she didn't feel, and then... I believe he shot her in her side and then he then grabbed a box cutter and slashed her face from, from the corner of her mouth to her ear, kind of like, you know, the Joker. Um, and then she saw him put down the gun and grab the phone and he called 911 and calmly told the 911 dispatcher that he had killed his stepson and stepdaughter and that he shot his wife. And he said, you know, I did this because of my wife. She's a piece of work. He calmly waited for the police to show up. He was arrested. And Kira says that she remembers calling out to the police who arrived, that she was down there, and um, they took her to the hospital and, you know, they were able to save her. Kira and Chatney were pronounced dead. And she said when the detectives came into the room the next the following day, she knew that Kira and Chatney were dead. But she just knew someone had Coy and Kaylee because she didn't see them. So she, she thought they were upstairs. And so she was like, well, where are my children? You know, where's Coy and Kaylee? And the detectives told her that he admitted, Greg admitted, 
to putting the kids, Koi and Kaylee, into a car and putting like a tube into the car and rolling up the window. And they died of carbon monoxide poisoning. Poisoning. And Greg said they looked like they had just fallen asleep and he stayed there with them until they died. And she just didn't understand. Like she kept asking for them to tell her again because she did not understand what happened. And she knew that it was just an act of revenge on her because a month prior to the deaths of her children, she she got her tubes tied. And she was she could never have children again. And so for him, his his act of revenge on her, he took all of her children away from her. And it was the most traumatizing experience of her life. She said she did not want to live anymore. And um, she just, she didn't want to, she didn't want to live. And I, as a mother myself, just cannot even imagine what faith must go through every single day. I just can't imagine. And it was that day that she found out what happened to Koi and Kaylee is when she found out the truth about what happened to Greg and why he was in prison the first time. Now, we all know he said that it was in self-defense. But what really happened is that him and his ex-wife got into an argument. She was seven months pregnant and he stabbed her multiple times until she was dead. Then he calm, calmly called 911, told them what he did and waited for him, them to come and arrest him just like he did to Faith. Now, Faith's dad, Fred Harris, said he didn't know the whole story. He, you know, he didn't know that that happened. And to this day, Faith does not have a relationship with her father because he's not able to, for whatever reason, guilt, um, not able to express his feelings. And she just really feels like, you know, she needs to understand why her dad didn't find out that information or why didn't he um, tell her? Why didn't he want to know? Because ultimately, the reason why Greg was even in her life was because of her father. And you might be asking, well, how? You know, she she ultimately pulled the trigger. She ultimately like pulled the trigger as in she dated him she married him, etc. Yes, those those things are all true. But she found out that in 2005, her father wrote a letter to the parole board pleading on his, on Greg's behalf that he be allowed out and that he would be a productive, you know, citizen if he was allowed out and he would make sure that he would use his programs at the church to help him um to be the man of God that he knew Greg to be. So really his letter 
is what ultimately allowed him out because he had been denied parole like two different times because they said that Greg didn't show any remorse for his actions at all. So ultimately, Greg getting out was because of her father. And she just, she like I said, her father really doesn't know how to communicate why or how much of the story he knew or you know, you know, and so she just, for her sake, has decided to not have a relationship with her father. Now, he did plead guilty, and he is serving to all the murders and carrying a weapon. He received 47 to 100 years. The earliest he can get up for parole would be 47 He would be 97 years old. So by all purposes, he will die in prison. Faith was able to speak at his um, sentencing and say how she felt. You know, she said that, you know, justice is when you will burn in hell. Um, She was able to speak on behalf of her kids and just express how much what he took from her life. And she says that the biggest takeaway for her, these are, you know, the her experience through all of this, her biggest takeaway was to learn signs of abnormal behavior. You know, she was like, we've normalized dysfunction so much that when we see abnormal behavior, we consider it normal. She was just like, you know, a lot of the times when he would show a bad mood or be in a bad mood, she would just say, you know, you're always in a bad mood. You never have a good day. But the truth is is that those were signs of dysfunction, that there was something mentally that wasn't right with Greg. Um, And so that was that was what she said. And I just want to take, you know, a second before I kind of put a cap on this case to say the ages of her children and what they really like to do. Um, Chadney, her oldest son, was 19. He had graduated from school, a performing arts school, high school, she said. And he wanted to make movies. He wanted to be a producer and direct movies. So he wanted to do everything. Kara, her daughter, was 17, and in 2016, she was a senior in high school, so she was on her way to graduating, and she wanted to become a doctor. Koi, who was five, she loved ballet, cheer, dress up. She seemed like the ultimate girly girl, my girl. And Kaylee was four. She loved playing outside, ballet, and all the things girly, and of course, playing with her sister. Um, Faith suffers from PTSD, as expected, and she has short-term memory loss. And she said that the doctors um, were trying to protect, uh, that her brain, due to all the trauma that she experienced, is just trying to protect her. And at some point, you know, it may come back, it may not. So, um... That is the story of Faith and Gregory Green. So, what were my takeaways from this case? I was so... I had heard about this case. Um, I listened to it on Sword and Scale. Which, big ups to Sword and Scale. If y'all don't know what that is, check that out. 
he is probably one of the first to be in the true crime space as far as podcasting. And he's the truth. I love him. It's like unadulterated true crime. So if you don't like that, don't go to it. But I first heard that case there. And that was in the midst of me like binging that podcast. And so I heard that case. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was, I was, I was really taken aback by it. But I had listened to so many cases because I was literally binging Sword and Scale. Um, I just kind of like put it in the back of my mind. But then I came upon the case again when I was on TikTok and I was just like scrolling through and it was a, it was the ID, ID, uh, tic, ID's TikTok. And it was this woman, it was Faith. And she was uh, reading the diary of her daughter, Kira. And it was like, you know, watch this episode on Evil Lives Here tonight. And so I have Discovery Plus. And so I did my workout for the day and I said, I'm gonna watch that. Because that, that her just reading the excerpt out of her daughter's um, journal kind of intrigued me. I'm like, what is that about? So I watched it. And as when I got halfway through it, I said, I know this case. I know this case. So I got all the way through it. And actually, I was so happy that I was able to watch it. So if you want to, like, you know, have more context, um, because I can only share so much on this podcast, I have heavily suggest y'all go and watch it. It's season 12, episode four. So you can go watch the full story there. Um, but in my research of this case, I, um, I did find out more from that episode than I got from the episode on sword and scale. So, you know, like I said, if you're a true crime junkie, you know, and if you don't, well, you don't know then because you get different things from different, um, people who tell the stories. So I wanted to talk about this case because I think it brings to light a lot of different things my takeaway is that I always I've said this before on our podcast I really think that when you're a single mother and you decide to date that you have to do your due diligence to make sure to ensure who you're dating and I know there's only so much of that that you can do Right. Because you can go get a ba- a background check on that person, you know, but take your time getting to know that person. One thing that Faith did is she moved very fast with Greg. She didn't get a chance to like really kind of really sit with his personality. And by the time she did, she was pregnant. So as a woman, I know how it is to feel. Like, absolutely like, oh, my God, like I need to create this family. And feel stuck. Like, I need to create this family. Because now I'm pregnant. I already have two children. You know, everything seems to be okay. I mean, we have problems here and there, but I can fix it. And so I think it's so important that you do your due diligence to, to get to know that person. You know, period. Single mother or not. You have to really try to get to know the person that you're dating. And see some behaviors in them because they'll show. See the behaviors in them that you're like, mm-mm, red flag. Nope, his moods are changing too much. I don't like that. I can't deal with that. That looks a lot like bipolar disorder. What's up with that? A basic background check on him would have got would have would have made her realize that what he said happened really didn't happen. 
that probably would have been the biggest red flag to get her to leave in the first place. And although it may sound like I'm judging her, I'm not. There's no judgment. I think that she understands that there were a lot of different things that she admits to in that episode. There were so many things that she could have done differently, that she should have done differently. You know, and the one thing that I so admire about her, she was like, I just wonder, I wish I could have made my daughter feel comfortable enough to come and talk to me. She said, because that would have been enough to sever the relationship. The fact that my daughter felt so uncomfortable with him. You know, and I think she realizes that that those red flags that were in that relationship should have made her cut it off, you know? So I want you guys to tell me what you think about this case, you know, and just to in the in the spirit of not judging, what are some red flags that you identified in your relationships past relationships or present that you felt like man you know I should have paid attention to that had I paid attention to that maybe I would have done that differently right because we all have moments in our lives where we did not pay attention to red flags in relationships and it cost us it might have cost us time in this particular situation it cost faith her kids and I think that Faith is such a strong woman to continuously like tell her story because I'm sure it's painful every time she expresses it, every time she talks about it. So that's our crime story for this week. You guys tell me what you think and we'll be back next week on Thursday for another crime case.